Welcome to At The Lodge Masonic Podcast. All of the opinions in this podcast are ours and ours alone. We do not speak for any lodge or for any grand lodge. Thank you for listening. Welcome to At The Lodge Masonic Podcast. I am Worshipful. Brother Logan Embry. And I'm Brother Bruce Maxwell, past master. So, we're going to try things out maybe a little bit here. Uh, Maybe drop a couple episodes a week, shorter episodes, maybe keep them around 15 to 25 minutes, somewhere in there. See how that goes. See see what y'all think on that one. Uh, We were just kind of talking here after we got done wrapping up the last episode, uh, you know, how many brothers go to their lodge and just hang out and go through all the historical documents, dig up things just 45 minutes ago, I was digging through a cabinet and I found petitions from 1903. I found Grand Lodge proceedings from 1908, which stated that the uh, past master's jewel of Kentucky was to be a compasses with a quadrant and a sun in the, in the middle. Uh, we've, we've learned that now that's since been taken out. Uh, and my theory behind that is, is that was done in 1908 and, uh, in, in the 40s, 50s, there was a huge surge in Freemasonry across the country uh, when, when all of the soldiers and everything were getting back from World War and they were looking for groups. And that's when a lot of fraternal organizations had a lot of booms. Some were created. Uh, a lot of motorcycle clubs were created and everything. And... Through some of my research that I've done in the last couple of years, that is where the plain white linen aprons came from. Uh, it used to be customary before then that if you were a master mason, you had to provide your own apron when you came to lodge. Uh, and they would be decorated. They would have Masonic emblems painted on them and they'd be very ornate. Uh, but in that surge time, there was something like a thousand new lodges every year, maybe more than that across the country. And there were only like three or four regalia companies in the entire country that produced the furniture for the lodge from the pillars, the altars, the lesser lights, the warden's columns, all of that. There was only the, the jewels, the staffs, all of that regalia was only produced in like three companies and almost all of them I think were in like Cincinnati or in that area they were so far behind on keeping up with production that they made the simplest apron they could possibly make which was a plain white 14 by 16 square or 12 by 16 whichever with a triangle flap linen and they would throw in 20 or 30 of those aprons whenever they would put out an order for a lodge. And that's where your visitor aprons came from. And that's where a 
lot of people kind of derive that that staple of that white plain linen apron came from is that time. So also my theory on this to, you know, unsquirrel myself here. The, to get back to the past master's jewel, I think it got removed and, and I'll have to look this up. I could be completely wrong. This is my theory. There was so much production going on that they were probably only producing one past master's jewel at that time, which would more than likely have the square with the quadrant. And if our Grand Lodge said, you can't wear that, and that was the only one available, I could see a lot of past masters getting a little grumbly about that, not being able to find a jewel to wear and you things like that. You mean past masters could get grumpy? Yeah, oh yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I know it's a shock, past masters being grumpy. But that was my long story to get to a short point. Well, I, I hear think, that's not the way it was done in my year. Hey, well, hey. <laughs> Hey, you just have to get over it and we're going to move on, huh? Yeah, there's just so much here. And I get so much joy from going back through the old Minutes books. We're fortunate here. We have every Minutes book since we went under dispensation on February, or not February, September the 20th of 1848. All the way to current. There is so much historic documentation here that it's gonna take me the next 20 plus years to go through it. And I'm excited about that. I wish there was more brothers across the state that had that level of excitement about their lodge. There's so much to know. There's so much been forgotten, but it's still there. It's still in your lodges. If it hasn't had a natural disaster and got destroyed, take the time, crack those books open. They're there for each one of the members of the craft to go and see and learn from. There's light to be gleaned. And I just can't keep myself out of my lodge because there's just, there's so much knowledge here that I want. I have a desire for it. And it's contagious. Whenever Logan came into lodge, he fell right in with that. It was, there's just cabinets full of it that we hadn't had a chance to explore yet. Not even just documents though. Like, I'm sitting here looking at in between the cabinetry here. One of the coolest things that I have found in this lodge, to me personally, is there's an old cavalry saber here. And uh, I got to doing a little research on it, and it turns out that that is a Napoleonic cavalry saber, which, being Napoleonic, it, it was French, right? It was French produced and sold to the Confederacy to use for the Confederate States Cavalry. Uh, here being in Kentucky, we were a, you know, whatever, border state, you know, undecided, whatever you want to call it. And uh, there were several large Civil War battles in this area. Uh, one of the biggest being over in a neighboring town, being the first battle of uh, Nathan Bedford Forest. And so this sword we have just sitting here in the corner of our lodge, there's a very high likelihood that this was actually used during war. Uh, we also have as our Tyler sword, another cavalry saber. And all of this army equipment dates back to uh, like the 30s and 50s 
whenever we had a National Guard armory on the bottom floor of our lodge. And that's where we were able to get a lot of that kind of regalia and stuff from. Uh, so, you know, it's not just like some guy went out and bought a sword. These swords actually came from military use and, and were in our lodge. We also found in a closet a 48-star flag. Uh, it's It was the last lodge flag we had before we had a 50-star flag. And uh, it's, it's a little tattered and beat up, and we're going to eventually get it framed up and preserved and, and keep it real nice. Uh, also, the other huge statement maker in our lodge is the uh, almost 10 foot tall U.S. flag, which was actually a uh, past master, if I remember. 40 year past secretary. Yeah, past master and past secretary of our lodge. Uh, it was his burial flag and his wife gave it to the lodge and asked us to use it. Uh, so that's, that's what we use. If you ever get a chance to visit our lodge or if you see uh, any pictures of our lodge uh, on Facebook, Livermore Lodge 186, uh, you'll see it's enormous. You can't miss it. I mean, we've got 10 foot ceilings and uh, it's about six inches off the ceiling. I think our ceilings might be higher than 10 foot. They could be. It, it's enormous. And that's the kind of stuff I love. We've got pillars that were donated to us from Hartford Lodge, but they got those pillars from Beaverdam Lodge, which consolidated with them years ago. Uh, and Hartford Lodge being the lodge that we originally got our dispensation from. So I just, I, I, like, I like all of that, being able to tie all that kind of stuff together. I, I think it's awesome. So you, you not only have the data history but you also have the physical history to go with it. We've got paintings that I wish we knew who these people were. And we may figure it out as we go through all the old documents that we've got. It, I'm hoping it's in the minutes book somewhere. I hope so. But there's just so much here that I've been at it now for two years and I haven't even scratched the surface. I'm working right now on saving up money to buy a, an archival scanner, and I'm going to work on archiving to a digital format a lot of our uh, documents that are here in the lodge. And then once they're all archived, then I can store and seal those things where they're going to be more protected than what they are right now. And then it goes into the time of that stuff's all written in quill, in immaculate, straight handwriting. But I'm not used to reading quill. Uh, cursive and it's going to take me some time to read through that to pull out the gems of this happened here and this happened here we've got several decades of work in front of us but we put in the work now and the next generation of masons that come through here when we're dead and gone are going to be able to benefit from that there won't be so many questions i mean it's just like uh the last couple of days I've taken, uh, there, there's a local lady who runs a Facebook page called Livermore Kentucky History. And about four years ago, she made a post about our lodge, about the Livermore Masonic Lodge. 
and not just the current building, but she has pictures that date all the way back to 1848, whenever our first lodge was held above a local store, in the top story of a local store. And she actually also goes into detail about who deeded the property. They deeded the upstairs to the lodge and the downstairs to a family. And, and then actually moves on to the second building and has pictures of our second building that we were in. Uh, and then the current building back when it was built, as there were stores in the bottom, uh, storefronts in the bottom, as there was an armory in the bottom, uh, as there was a monument built uh, by, by one of the brothers here. And it's now on the riverfront. Yeah, it's now at the riverfront. Uh, and then and then another picture uh, of current, of a current watch. And I mean, it's just awesome. It's, it's what, eight, I've got eight frames that I've got all that printed out on. And that's, uh, that's wonderful that she has helped us retain that history. And the cool thing was her grandfather was one of the ones that built our current lodge. Mm -hmm. And he later became a Mason and member of this lodge. Yep. So, I mean, there's just so much history that I can get lost in here. I was telling Logan earlier that, you know, if I just had like four months where I could just stay here, order pizza, deliver to the lodge every day and just dive in, I would be in hog heaven. Especially hog heaven with the pizza. Well, I mean. You don't get to eat that at home. I'm a well-rounded Mason. <laughs> He'd be a little bit more rounded if you were just sitting up here four months eating pizza. It's all good. <laughs> you know, I, I'm working on building the biggest temple I can, buddy. That's right. <laughs> uh, even our Bible, though. Our Bible on the altar is dated, uh, I think, 73 and has the brother who donated it to the lodge. There's, there's some things like that that actually have a story in our lodge that have the information behind it. But there's so much more in here that doesn't. We have pictures of, of, of people we don't know who they are. We have what we're assuming is the last set of jewels, officer's jewels. And honestly, I want to get that master's jewel out and swap it out because that one matches our altar. It looks awesome. I haven't ever seen another one like that, I don't think. And that's just... It's, it's the normal square, but it has a star hanging underneath of it. I just think it's, I just think it's pretty cool. Uh, if we actually, if we had all of them, I'd probably polish them all up and swap them all out, but I think we're missing a couple. I think we'll, well, maybe not. To be continued on that subject. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then, you know, our last meeting, uh, we were presented with a past master's Bible uh, that had passed away. Uh, his, his widow donated the Bible back that has all of his information with his dates that he joined, the dates that he went through the Eastern Star, and I think one of the rites that he went through in the shrine. And I just, I don't know, that's just awesome. I love that stuff. I love all of the tangible history. I love the data history as well, which... I mean, some of that's tangible too, I guess. We've got papers that are dated back to God knows when. 
I mean, the fact of being able to hold a piece of paper that a brother sat there and spent his time writing out from the lodge, you're holding a, a piece of his life. Yeah. And he's no longer with us, but he's still there talking to us. He's still providing Masonic light, even after he was gone. Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, what, when we were going through the reports and everything there a while ago and like within 1921 or 1927 I found a typed copy of the legend and I mean it was so thin and fragile like I, I didn't even really want to touch it I, like I touched it with a pen to open it I, I don't even want to touch like I don't want to get anything on it because it was already falling apart no telling how old it was before it got shoved into that 1927 book. Yeah. And that was some brother put his work into that and and took the time and effort to type it up and to learn it and to perform it. And I don't know. That That's one reason I love Masonry. You know, when we discussed it, why we joined, it was things like that, the history, the traditions, keeping those things alive. Uh, and the things that are rotting away, I want to bring those back. Yeah. So bad. I want the next generation to have an easier time than I'm having. But at the same time, it's such a fun journey. Get into your lodge. Figure stuff out. Show up early if you don't have a key to go. Or the lodge is trying to keep tight on funds where they can't afford to have the electricity on for the whole time. Show up early, stay a little bit late, ask some questions. Where's the old documents? Do we have them all? Was there a fire that destroyed some of them? Learn the history of your lodge. Yep. And then once you learn it, share it. Absolutely. Let people know, pass it on. That's one thing when I got here, I saw the big flag and thought, and that's weird. And then I started asking questions and then I started getting answers. And then I was like, hold on. The person that has these answers it's a 60-year Mason. He's not going to be here much longer. Hey, would you mind typing that up so that we can save it with this flag so that we permanently have that history to our lodge Yep. and it doesn't die with you? And he was happy to. He was thrilled. It's something that he was able to give to the lodge that's going to live on past him. He even laminated it. Yeah. So wrote it up on lodge letterhead, laminated the thing, and we have it now forever. Absolutely. That it's going to be here to know where that flag came from, why it's here. And it's just the little things like that that are going to make the difference for future generations. Yep. It's breathtaking. I don't know. Lost for words, John. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. And then we got the new additions to our history, like our new letter G. Yeah. And we we're fortunate enough to get that from Brother Travis Short. And hopefully he's finally downloaded a platform and listened to some of our podcasts. Well, if he has, great. If he hasn't, <laughs> great. We're going to call him out anyways. That's right. So he gave me the letter G uh, whenever I went and visited one of his lodges. And I looked it over, I loved the thing, I wanted to bring it back to my lodge, and then I had to hand it back to him. I said, I can't take it like this. And he asked me what the problem was. I was like, I gotta have your name on it. I don't want another thing hanging on our walls here that does not have any precedence where it's from. 
Yep. So got him to sign the back of it. Now anybody that takes that down in future generations can look up who Travis Short was, look up his Masonic record, and know that that craftsmanship came from that brother. And it's here. And, you know, Masons, we don't change stuff much. The old Masonic joke is that how many Masons does it take to change the light bulb? Change? What are you talking about change? My granddaddy put that light bulb in. It's not changing. That's right. <laughs> so uh, the fact that it's ever going to leave this lodge short of disaster, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I don't think so. But uh, I think that's a good place to to wrap it up. You know, so we're going to try and keep this one a little bit short. So key points is get in your lodge, find the stuff dig for the history and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised so until next time have a wonderful life